We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we have some post-buy stuff to get to. Hope everybody had a good week off. A nice, relaxing weekend of watching football. Not having to take in whatever it is the 49ers are doing, good or bad. Um, we have some things that we want to see from the 49ers after the bye week and a little bit of news from Monday's practice to get to as well. So let's get into it. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. It feels like the 49ers haven't played in six weeks. Really? Yeah. Because it hasn't felt I, that long for me. It I've been feels, busy with a I, lot of stuff. but Maybe maybe it's because the game against the Cardinals was so weird with Lance starting and, and all yeah. that jazz. And the game was just kind of, of a weird one. But I feel like I haven't watched the 49ers play football in such a long time. And it's been eight days. You get to a point during the season when games start happening every week that they start to blend together. Mm -hmm. And it feels like there's just like a lot of stuff to take in going like going on continuously. And then you hit a bye week and then you go through it and it's like, oh, where where was everything? (laughs) Like I stayed really busy because I'm doing a lot more non 49ers stuff now work wise. But um. Yeah, it's I'm looking forward to having having football back or having the 49ers back and watching football more critically than I was yesterday. Although I will say I thoroughly enjoyed the one NFL Sunday I get per season when the 49ers are on their bye where I can just like put red zone on and like have three other screens with like golf and two other games. And Yeah, yeah, it's the bye week, Thursday night football and a Monday night game. There's just not, it's great. <laughs> I deliberately, even... deliberately did nothing yesterday. I'm normally like pretty active. I got to get out of the house, go do some type type guy. Not yesterday. Yesterday was like, you know what? It's 11 a.m. and I'm going to drink a beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. In front of the it's TV. 11 a.m. <laughs> so we're in the midst of doing a swap. We're putting our office where our guest room was and our guest room where the office was. And I was a little bummed out at first that I wasn't going to be able to just sit around and do nothing all day. But I got to tell you, getting stuff done around the house is very rewarding. Yeah. And I caught enough football to I know what happened. I kept kept up on my fantasy teams. I watched the end of that ridiculous Cowboys Patriots game. Um, got got quite a bit of the Ravens Chargers game in. We had that one on in my area. So, uh. Yeah, it was a good, really good Sunday off, but I'm I'm glad to be back into the swing of a a regular week. I was Although, also I was also able to barbecue. Like we grilled steaks oh, and we vegetables oh. and all that stuff yesterday, which That's I feel excellent. like I haven't done in forever. That's excellent. Yeah, it's a good time. Anyway, 49ers football. What yeah. what they need to what they need to get together after the bye. Well, let's let's real quick. The Niners practiced on Monday. We're recording this Monday evening. 
Jimmy Garoppolo was present. Trey Lance was not. At least as far as we know. Yeah, it looks like um, they don't have to release a practice report on Monday. They don't have to do that till Wednesday. Right. Mondays after the bye is basically a bonus practice. It's getting everybody back to shake off the rust. Um, but the headline coming out of practice was Jimmy Garoppolo was there practicing. Uh, Trey Lance was not. Jimmy Garoppolo was pushing off of his right leg and moving around and throwing on the run and doing all those things that quarterbacks typically do when they're not injured. So I would say, at least right now, that uh Jimmy Garoppolo is likely going to start Sunday night against the Colts and maybe that changes I mean it Kyle Shanahan's maintained the entire time that Jimmy Garoppolo is a starting quarterback so regardless of Trey Lance's health I think if um right. if Garoppolo's healthy he's going to go I don't I don't think there's going to be a situation at least right now where if both guys are healthy Shanahan's going to pick Trey Lance I think that would be a major upset Yeah not right now no. I think that's a, something that will continue to be an ongoing discussion, depending on how this season shakes out. But Will it? Do you think we'll talk about the quarterback spot? I don't know. I do. <laughs> you know, we try on this podcast to hit the angles that nobody else is touching. Right. And you and I are willing to go out on that limb and talk about the quarterback situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. So, so that's that's really the only news that came out of practice. The 49ers also signed linebacker Michael Kendricks. Hey, Jamichael Hasty's back. And Jamichael Hasty not overlook that. Was was act he had his practice window open. So he's not officially off IR yet, but he is eligible to return this week against the Colts. It looks like he's going to, I would guess. And Jaquez Patrick is back on the practice squad too. The the Niners released Jared Maiden, your thoughts? Uh he was around for a while. He kind of he kind of felt like somebody. I think it was. Did he come on the team in 2020? Yeah, 2020. Yeah. So he, I mean, crazy. as an undrafted guy, he hung around the practice squad for at least a year and a half, um, or just about a year and a half. So yeah, I mean, versatile guy. He got a lot of reps in the last two training camps, but an uh, interception against the Chargers, I think. Yeah, you have a better memory than I do <laughs> on that, but um, but yeah, no, Maiden, Maiden, uh did stick around for a while I, I i he was sort of like the undrafted free agent guy that you think would have a chance to make the team mm-hmm. right like the, the kendrick born of the defensive the defensive backfield i guess yeah um but yeah, he just think... never got to take that maiden voyage though oh wow that's really why you brought that up dude. i did and it's the <laughs> okay. only reason popped <laughs> into my head and say, i was like i need to squeeze this in we've spent entirely too much time talking about jared maiden then you go drop the line so all right. Yeah, I thought you on. were going to give me a, I don't have any thoughts and then I was going to drop the line and then we were going to do uh, but you had Jared Maiden takes. So I wasn't ready for it, but it wasn't fine. really a take. It was just he'd stuck around for a while, was it? <laughs> but... All right, let's let's <laughs> <laughs> let's look ahead real quick to what we're looking at after the bye. Mm-hmm. And not so much looking ahead just to the Colts specifically. We'll get into that as the week goes. But I want to zoom out a little bit on what we've seen from the 49ers through the first five weeks because they're in this really weird space where it's not like they're out of the playoff hunt. They're they're not 0 and 5. They're not one, they're sitting at two and three. They have a one point loss to Green Bay, who who's really good. They have a seven point loss. Green Bay is five and one. And the Cardinals are six and oh. And the Niners lost to them by a combined nine points. So they they're, they're not, half game out of the seven spot. Like yeah, the and third wild card spot. Only half. Yeah, game. and they haven't and they haven't been bad necessarily. There's just some areas I think that if they clean those things up, they're going to be a, a, a pretty competitive team. And I think that's kind of what we're going to look at today is what exactly can can change noticeably over the course of the bye week that that we see them kind of start to take those steps forward because they're going into a really important part of the schedule where they have the Colts at home and then they go visit the Bears. Those are two winnable games. And if they come out of this this stretch of two at four and three, you'd feel way better about them going into a game against the Cardinals and then another game against the Rams in weeks nine and ten. Yeah, totally agree. It's just it, it's a team that has just felt uneven. It's it's felt a little weird. The offense hasn't really found its rhythm. Um, the defense is playing well, but it's not forcing turnovers. 
Uh, and you can make a case that the pass rush does need to be better, particularly given the way this roster is constructed. Um, but I think, I think a lot of the discussion and rightfully so is going to center on the offense because that's Kyle Shanahan's baby. And that's ultimately what he's responsible for. And that's ultimately the group that's not living up to expectations. Yeah. Yeah. They've been not, not even just, not even just bad from a like, Oh, this is a Kyle Shanahan offense. It should be better than this. They've just been not very good just all around. And I know that, I know that there have been injury problems, and there's been some uh, some shoddy offensive line play, uh, especially on the right side that, you know, people will point to. But it's just one of those things where it's like, this is not something that I ever thought would be a problem for a Kyle Shanahan team. Like we always said, like, well, it doesn't matter who's at running back. It doesn't matter if it's Raheem Mostert or Trey Sermon or Jaquez Patrick. They're going to generate yards in the run game. And they, and they just haven't. Like it just hasn't been there. Jimmy Garoppolo has not only not taken this step forward that we thought he might take after 2019, but it almost feels like he's regressed a little bit. Yeah. Which, which is suboptimal mm-hmm. in their last, this is my kind of go-to stat. Cause I think it's pretty telling in weeks two, three, and then the first half of week four, the Niners were averaging like 4.8 yards per play, which is in the bottom five in the league. And that just, that's not something you would expect to happen on a team coached by Kyle Shanahan with Debo Samuel, who's the second leading receiver in the NFL, George Kittle, who is arguably the best tight end in the NFL and a really good offensive line. So I think there's a couple things they can do. And that's what we're going to get to that, that can kind of get them out of this offensive rut that they, that they were in going into the bye week. And like, well, early bye weeks aren't ideal. I think they needed this. They needed a week to kind of reset because it felt like the wheels were starting to wobble off a little bit. The Niners offense is like right now, statistically, the definition of mediocre, right? Points per game, just points per game, 17th yards per game, 14th points per play, 18th yards per play, 16th. Third down conversions, they've been bad. They're 25th at uh, just under 36%. Um, fourth down conversions, 15th. Like they're they're in the middle of a lot of categories. Rush yards per game, 12th. Um, yards per rush, 14th. Like they're they're just they don't have a trait where you say, okay, they're really good in this category. Like this is this is their calling card, right? And in 2019, you could say, well, they they had a couple calling cards. They were really efficient in the passing game. Uh, they were also the second best running team in the league. And the reason right. why I think those things are directly correlated, right? Like I think the efficiency of the passing game had a lot to do with their use of play action, which of course has a lot to do with, um, with the success of the running game. And I know there's, you know, Brandon Staley said it a couple weeks ago and there, there are statistical, um, cases to be made that rushing success doesn't necessarily correlate to passing game success. And I know I've said it on this pod before, but like I've had that conversation with Fred Warner and he's like, no, it's, it's a hell of a lot harder to defend play action when a team is running well. So that's what I'll always go back to. Not that that's a huge talking point right now, but um, yeah, the offense just doesn't have much going for it right now. There isn't a, like it has Debo Samuel and that's about, that's really about the only thing you're like, they're really kicking ass in this spot right now. It's Debo Samuel. That's it. But I think, I think when it comes to rushing success and, and passing success, don't correlate. I think it, I think, okay, that's the case. If you have Justin Herbert or that's the case, if you have Patrick Mahomes, that's not the case when you have Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that's a little bit the problem. And that's a little bit why they traded up to go draft Trey Lance. Because the hope is that Trey Lance eliminates that that delineation where it doesn't matter how good the 49ers are running the ball, they're going to be dangerous throwing it. When right now, because of how limited their passing game is, if they're not running the ball and moving linebackers around and stuff off of play fakes, they're going to have a really, really hard time because Jimmy Garoppolo is very good in those intermediate areas in the middle of the field. But if you're not moving linebackers and safeties around with play action, it becomes a lot harder. The windows in that area get a lot smaller. And I think that's kind of the problem that we've seen so far is how many times have we seen Garoppolo uh, 
throw a pass into the middle of the field where the the receiver just immediately gets hit because the safety or the corner knows they can just fly downhill because that's there's there's their only focus is on the pass catcher at that point um yeah like so unrelated i'm looking at jimmy garoppolo's pro football focus page uh 28% of his dropbacks he's under pressure and he's completing 13 of 27 of those throws and he's had five turnover worthy plays on those 27 dropbacks that's 12 and a half percent that's not good at all that's um, really so bad I, so that speaks to i think the offensive line obviously but also jimmy garoppolo's just hasn't been good under pressure and hasn't been good under pressure for a while so i know the offensive line should be considered a strength or at least the expectation coming into the season was it should be considered a strength, but I think it, the offensive line needs to play better. Um, and part mm-hmm. of that has to do with the right guard situation and maybe <laughs> the fact that Aaron Banks isn't there yet. And the fact that Kyle Shanahan on, on fourth and two early in that game, and this isn't a passing play, but like decides to run quarterback power behind right guard with Charlie Warner blocking JJ Watt, by the way. um so that's not great i think it's just stuff like like in in theory the play calls were good (laughs) but it's like it's just stuff like that it's just been weird it's just been really weird offensively for the 49ers under kyle shanahan because it doesn't feel like like when's a lot how often are they running the the play the flow play we always talk about zero zero times in the one side and then somebody leaks free wide open the other way like they never run that anymore. That's where Travis Benjamin's speed would be a real weapon. <laughs> Get a flow it, to Travis Benjamin stat. Yeah. Does, hey, I have a question. Yeah. Does Kyle, who does Kyle Shanahan trust more? And I want to use this to kind of dovetail into, into the first thing that needs to get fixed after the buy. Okay. Um, who does Kyle Shanahan trust more? Charlie Warner or Brandon Ayuk? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I would like to say I, it's got to be, fact, but that's the thing. Okay. The and that's question, my first, sure. that's the first thing. The fact that it's like, Hmm, <laughs> like maybe the answer is IU, but you definitely have to think about it. And the first thing I think the Niners need to do after the buy, I don't care how it is. And you have some good numbers on this that, that you tweeted, but get the ball to Brandon. IU. like, just get, right. get, Get the ball to it. Like he showed last season that he is an incredibly explosive playmaker. That's part of the reason they traded up to draft him. And when they were in a position, I don't care what the, what the receiver situation was or what the pass catcher situation was, because you hear that like, Oh, well he was the only guy they had. So of course they had to throw it to him. It's like, great. I don't care. Then just, you have to throw it to him now because what's what's going on with Muhammad Sanu and Trent Sherfield and Travis Benjamin is not working. And I think that's something they have to do is, is figure out, devise ways specifically to get Brandon Ayuk the ball in space. Yeah, I think, you know, if Brandon Ayuk is indeed upset or just in a weird place mentally about not being involved in the offense or whatever, I think you could probably trace some of it to the fact that, and, and the stats you mentioned are, are these, I went back and, and found them. I mean, Brandon Ayuk caught 14 passes on throws behind the line of scrimmage last year so that includes obviously bubble screens and jet sweeps um you remember the the play where he jumped over the eagles defender and scored a touchdown that was a bubble screen um and he's had exactly zero of those plays so far this season so you know like i understand wanting to motivate your guy and having guys earn their snaps or whatever but it's also like are you, like you're stubborn enough if if that's your line of thinking if you're Kyle Shanahan like Brandon Ayuk hasn't earned these opportunities then you're you're willing to put the precedent you're trying to set above just like winning football games it feels like right because you could be upset at Brandon Ayuk all you want but you're also not doing anything to get him going to be like all right we used you in all these different gadget plays to get you going last year but we're not going to do that this year because we're upset with the way you're practicing or we're not happy with the effort or whatever it is like there there needs to be there needs to be a little bit more push and pull like from Kyle Shanahan and not just like this stubbornness 
that for whatever reason is not getting Brandon Ayuk involved in the offense. Yeah, what message is being sent here? Yeah, if you're not winning games and the offense is struggling, then the message is not going to be heard. Yeah, exactly. It's that's and I think that's the frustrating thing is it's not like man, the, the 49ers are scoring 30 points a game and Brandon Ayuk's not involved. This is weird. It's hey, the 49ers can't move the ball and the their first round pick from last year that they traded up for is not involved. No mas. Yeah. He has eight catches for 90 yards this year. Like that's that should be a game. Yeah. It just, it, it, and and we've seen we've seen Kyle Shanahan get guys involved. Like when Kyle Shanahan wants to force feed somebody, he can get that person involved. He did it with Richie James last year. Like Richie James had never really done anything. And then Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are out in that Packers game. And all of a sudden, Richie James is catching a bunch of bubble screens and they're just figuring out ways to get him the ball. And he has what 180 yards or whatever it was that game. Yeah, like, he had he had more yards in that game than he had like ever had in a season. Yeah, so that's that's part of the uh, part of what's so weird about this Kyle Shanahan thing is like he's capable of getting guys involved when he wants to. And for whatever reason that's just not happening this year particularly with Brandon Ayuk. And that's like you can talk about, you know, Debo Samuel wasn't out there and and that's why you use Brandon Ayuk that way on those plays, but it's like it's it's beneficial to have multiple guys that you can use in those ways, right? Particularly if Debo Samuel is all of a sudden this downfield threat, which he is, like it would make sense to use Brandon Ayuk in those ways around the line of scrimmage to complement the deep threat downfield that, that Debo Samuel's become. Well, and the two catches he made against Arizona, like yeah. he's one of very few players on the roster that make those plays. Right. He had the diving catch with the with the defender draped all over him. Granted, it was a really, really great throw from from Trey Lance on the sideline and then he had that second and 25 play where he like out muscled the the defender for the ball and then made a nice move and picked up 26 yeah like it just it it's baffling for a number of reasons and there's a reason we've been talking about it since week one but it's like the oh his hamstring thing like okay that's that's put aside now because the snaps are there Right. He's for the most part playing a ton of snaps, but just the targets are not. And maybe that's a quarterback issue, but if that's the case, then like you said, design some bubble screens to design some, some of those jet sweeps for him, like just get him the ball and get him involved. And I think that that is one way It's not the only way, but it's definitely something the 49ers can do to help out their offense and just to make things at least a little bit harder on the defense, especially when George Kittle's out. Debo Samuel, the last four games, eight targets, 10 targets, 13 targets, nine targets. Brandon Ayuk, the last four games, two targets, six targets, three targets, and four targets. Man. So, yeah, you you could even some of those out, I would think. And it would probably also benefit Samuel, who's going to be the focal point of defensive coordinators' coverages, particularly with George Kittle not out there. Yep. So get Brandon Ayuk involved. I think that that's would help. just, yeah, it's, it's not even, like I said, that's not even like the main thing, but it's the thing that to me sticks out the most. Yeah. When, when you look at kind of some of their offensive problems. Well, the thing that sticks out to me the most is their use of Trey Lance. Really? <laughs> uh, easy transition there. I don't know if you've noticed Kyle, but I, I've, I've been saying it like I think every single pod. So I'm going to turn it into a bit that I thought that the 49ers should have started Trey Lance from week one. Wait, you've been saying that? Yeah, I've been saying it. I don't know Get out of town. <laughs> um, but like, so it, if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start on Sunday night, like we all presume, um, or just be the starter for the foreseeable future, whatever. I think what they should do is incorporate Trey Lance more and be in a position to like give Trey Lance an entire series if if the 49ers have a, a first half like they did um you know what like they did a few different <laughs> times game. yeah like, and just don't score any points right like i understand the reluctance to put a ton on Trey Lance's plate um but i i don't think the offense is good enough 
irrespective of where you think Trey Lance is in his development to to be in a spot where Trey Lance isn't on the field. Like, I, I think you need yeah. to what Kyle Shanahan came into the season with, or at least what he made it seem like he was thinking coming into the season with the, the two quarterback system. I think you need to try it. Like, I think you need to incorporate Trey Lance um, because if you bring him onto the field in a short yardage situation, well, maybe everybody's going to load up and think you're going to run quarterback power and that's going to open up a deep shot, Mm -hmm. right? Like there, there are a whole lot of different ways to utilize Trey Lance and his skill set situationally, even if you're not starting him, that makes sense and could help fill the gaps that you're missing offensively. Um, I think he could spearhead the running game a little bit, particularly if you use him in like zone read stuff where you have to make defensive ends sort of make a choice instead of just running quarterback power and, and mm-hmm. um, basically telling the whole world you're doing it right before it happens, which happened <laughs> a lot in that Cardinals game. It felt like, yeah. um, so I, I just think there are a lot of different ways to do it. And, and so that to me would be a way to springboard the offense a little bit but it is tricky right because Mm -hmm. part of the offense's issue is that it's out of sync and not really in rhythm even when when it's just been jimmy garoppolo with very little trey lance so Mm -hmm. that would be a tricky needle to thread like when you're dealing with those issues to insert a second quarterback more often would be tough and i understand the point against that but my point would be like what's jimmy garoppolo doing to keep trey lance off the field Right. Right. Like, I I just don't think I think you need to if you're if you show a willingness to play Trey Lance more than, you know, three snaps a game, then you really are going to have to force defensive coordinators to account for it. And your Kyle, like the Niners spent a lot of time this offseason creating plays and a potential plan to incorporate Trey Lance because they knew they might need to. And so, like, use some of that. Right. Because what you're getting right now with Jimmy Garoppolo is not is not making is not making you look like a playoff team like you don't look like a team that 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 many teams are going to be super scared of right now so incorporate trey lance utilize his legs and like part of and 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 this is maybe a separate topic but like use the running backs you drafted yeah don't make your running game all about trey lance like his legs are an asset for sure but it's it's like 16, 16, 16 runs. And I know that there were some of those that were scrambles, but there were way too many design runs. Elijah nine. Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell shouldn't be getting nine carries. Like that's, that's, that's not enough. Trey Sermon shouldn't be getting one carry. Yeah. If, like that's if, just not, if that's were, not enough. If it were me, I would have had Mitchell and Sermon combining for 25 runs and yes. then incorporate Lance's legs in other around ways. it right. yeah have it be like oh trey lance is a good runner like the defensive end has has to honor that when you run zone read yeah or right? he's a he's a good runner and you can drop back on third and four and a he can just pick up the first down with his legs but b like that's another thing the defenses have to account for and maybe it opens up a window yeah. uh for an easier completion like there's just Sunday against Arizona was kind of baffling from a, just from a Lance usage standpoint. And maybe there's just things he can't do yet that, that kept them from that kept Shanahan from calling, calling the game a certain way. But for me, Lance playing more has less to do with Jimmy Garoppolo specifically and more to do with like what we talked about with IU. Like this, this, this offense just needs help. And if you have a weapon on the bench, he should play. And I know that that's kind of taboo because it's the quarterback, but like, this is the, this is the bed they made. Like this, this is, this is what they've got. And it was presented as though there was this plan to utilize Trey Lance as an additional offensive weapon. And they've just not done that. So I think in, in, in the post by version of the 49ers, maybe we don't see it week seven because I, I, I 
spoiler alert, I think that the Niners offense is going to look a lot better coming out of the bye. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo might even have a really nice game against a bad Colts pass defense. But I think beyond that, like when you start getting into uh, Chicago has a, has a decent defense. Um, The Cardinals are presently undefeated. They're in week nine. The Rams are in week 10. Like at some point you're going to have to start throwing curveballs at these teams. And I think Trey Lance is the ultimate curveball and he should be utilized more. So among quarterbacks who have taken 20% of their team snaps, Jimmy Garoppolo leads the NFL with 5.3% of turnover worthy plays on his dropbacks, according to pro football focus. Um, Yikes. And if you look at passing depth, and deep throws. I should have queued this up better. Um, but Jimmy Garoppolo is well at the bottom, towards the bottom of the list. In I think we talked about it in the last pod. Yeah, we did. So, I mean, the, the point stands, right? Like, if you're not getting ridiculous efficiency from Jimmy Garoppolo and he's not turning the ball over or putting the ball at risk, then, like, then I get it. But if Jimmy Garoppolo is playing at this level, I don't know what what the purpose of of playing him over Trey Lance, particularly in a way where Trey Lance has no role within the offense and he's just the backup quarterback. And we've, we've mentioned this too, but like a huge part of it is just what happens during the week at practice and that Kyle Shanahan only wants to give the starter the reps. Right. And that, right. And is Trey Lance, Lance getting better get like, right now? Yeah. And Trey Lance will get like five or whatever out of 25 in a, in a practice. Like you're going to have a hard time developing him and you know, right. you're certainly not going to be comfortable running a, a two quarterback system because Trey Lance isn't getting the reps, but it's also like, well, okay. <laughs> What's yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo doing with these reps? And that's when it gets beyond just the 2021 season. Oh yeah. It's okay. like, okay, now you're going into 2022 and you have a quarterback in Trey Lance who did next to nothing in his rookie year. Right. When he clearly needs a lot of development. And and we knew that going in. It's not like that's breaking news that the guy who had one full season as a starter at the FCS level wasn't super prepared for the NFL. Like that's not that's not a shock. But the idea, at least the the idea that was presented was this is an ideal situation because he can get live reps without without being thrown to the wolves as the as the starter from day one. Right. But that just hasn't happened. It's been it's it's been a lot of weird things i don't have a a much better word for it and i wish i did but it's just been very odd you know it's not weird what derrick henry just scored a 76 yard touchdown get out of town what (laughs) derrick henry did whoa yeah um it's like a refrigerator on a roomba dude (laughs) like a fast roomba yeah like uh, yeah he, he looks like I mean, he, he really, he's the only guy in the NFL that makes NFL players look like junior varsity. Yeah. And he's like that big. It's pretty rare. It's pretty rare that you see a player actively like you can watch their thought process, right. but watch defenders, especially like in the third and fourth quarters, try not to tackle Derrick Henry. Yeah. Yeah. He's just very, very big. Even like other star players, like, okay, that they stand out because they're just good players, obviously. But just physically, yeah. it's like, yeah, this guy seems like he's at a different age group. It's like in Madden when you would when you would create a player and just make him as big as possible. Yeah. It's like that, but real life. Yeah. Derek Henry talk. Um before that, I was on Kyler Murray's pro football reference page and just looking at his rookie season. He started all 16 games. Right. Um I mean, he started every game of his career so far. And he's an MVP candidate in his third season, right? Yeah. Like, Russell Wilson started every game as a rookie. He took his lumps. And, like... The danger the danger they're running into is, like, they're going to run themselves into a 9-8 and eight season. And not saying that's what they're going to do, but this is the danger they're running. Is finishing 9-8... and eight and Trey Lance played 80 snaps right, all year. And now you're going into 2022 with a starting quarterback who's not ready. 
And now you're barreling toward another nine win season. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, I don't know. The end, the ends are not quite justifying the means. Agreed. 49ers football is finally back. It's in full swing. And maybe you want to get out to a game. Well, there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. That's right. Put the Google away. Put the Ask Jeeves away or whatever search engine you're using. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one that you will ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what TickPick did, and it's brilliant, they got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. You know where you find these super cheap tickets, but then all the service fees end up costing more than the actual ticket? Yeah, none of that with TickPick. It allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, If you can find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So the 49ers are on the road in week five. They're off week six, but then check this out. Week seven at home, Sunday night football in the Bison Bowl, as Chris named it. Trey Lance against Carson Wentz is a very real possibility, and you're going to want to be in Levi Stadium for that. It's Sunday night football. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to be there. The atmosphere at Levi Stadium for night games, if you haven't experienced it yet, you need to because it's unbelievable. I know Chris will be there in the press box. I'll be there in the press box. And when it, when that stadium gets rocking, the press box shakes a little bit. And yeah, it's a little scary, but it's also awesome. So, so visit tickpick.com slash candlestick today and use the promo code candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. We'll see you at Levi Stadium. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You want to switch to defense? Yeah, sure. So the 49ers need somebody, anybody on defense to step up that's not named Nick Bosa or Fred Warner. Like one player. Any one player. The turnovers just aren't coming. <laughs> right? Like, I don't I don't really know what else there is. Like, the, the turnovers are always... I mean, the, the 49ers are 31st in turnovers. Uh, turnovers taken away I guess, or takeaways, I guess, is, mm-hmm. is probably the better way to put it. Right. Um, and there's never an easy answer, right? Because it's all it's it's all about creating chaos and like hitting yeah. a quarterback while he throws and pressuring the quarterback and, um, you know, playing bad quarterbacks, frankly, which the 49ers haven't done really since week two. Or getting out to a lead and making yeah. a team one-dimensional. That's a big part of it. That's a, that's a really good point is that they, and part of that probably comes back to the offense, right? Because you remember mm-hmm. in the Seahawks game when the 49ers, you know, they took an early lead. Uh, they were moving up and down the field in that first half and the defense was lights out and getting off the field, you know, three and outs on the first five possessions. Mm-hmm. Some of that does have to do with the offense. 
and the way the offense is playing. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point. They score more points. The defense is going to be in a better spot to, to force turnovers. Mm-hmm. But they're just going to need more. They're going to need to force more fumbles. They're, they're going to need to create breaks for themselves because if they're going to try to make the playoffs in a pretty convoluted NFC, I would say, like there are a lot of teams sort of in the middle, and I, I think the 49ers are, are right there. Mm-hmm. Like they have to make their own luck and they're going to have to force some of these takeaways. And, and these are going to end up being big, big plays in these close games. Right. Cause these last right. three games have all been one possession games and they haven't gotten turnovers. Yeah. So, well, you know, and they, like they, they, a pick she, six, a force fumble in, in, you know, deep in somebody's territory. Like those were the type of things that were happening in 2019. Well, and, and to that point and to now, I don't want to drag this all the way back to the offense, but they got that turnover against Arizona. Dante Johnson forced and recovered the fumble on Chase Edmonds. Like that's the defense made a play. And then the offense didn't play complimentary football as it were, (laughs) but those, that kind of play by, by Dante Johnson, like I said, I want to get away from the offense because we've kind of talked about that a lot. Um, That's the kind of play they need to continue coming up with, you know, get (laughs) part of turnovers is, is, is luck, but part of it is like just getting after the football. Like that's all Dante Johnson did on that play was he put his hand on the football and he kept trying to dig it out until it came out. The Niners and the Jaguars both tied for, they're tied for the fewest takeaways in the NFL with two. Yikes. The Buffalo Bills have 15 to lead the league. The oh Cowboys have 14. The Cardinals have 13. The Colts have 12. Opportunistic defenses, man. Yeah. And maybe playing AFC South quarterbacks. And when it and that's when it comes to, so when it comes to like a player like somebody stepping up for me, I, and I wrote about this. It's Eric Armstead for me. Like they paid Eric Armstead to be a difference maker on the defensive line, and I know he's got eighteen pressures, but like at some point you have to turn those into sacks. Mm-hmm. And can you turn a couple of those into strip sacks? And can you turn one of those into hitting the quarterback as he throws? And like you said, a, a, a deep shot kind of flutters up and gets intercepted. Can can this this defense is built front to back, and that's why I'm not going to turn around and put the onus on Josh Norman to to be a playmaker. Right. Jimmy Ward is just not he's not a ball hawk. That's not his his forte. Um, or I'm sorry, that's not his fort. Um, that's the correct pronunciation of the word. So I'm going with that. Yeah. Um, that's not his fort. Armstead, we've seen him be a 10 sack guy and he's been near the quarterback and we saw the impact he can make in Arizona in that sequence down near the end zone where, where uh, they drew the holding penalty right at the goal line and it didn't get called to safety. The play before that Armstead got through and not held really bad, but it didn't get called, but he forced the quarterback out of the pocket and he forced Kyler Murray to throw the ball away. Like that's that interior pressure is what they've been missing since DeForest Buckner has been gone. And Eric Armstead, they kept him and paid him five years, $85 million up to $85 million to be that playmaker. And he wasn't last season and he needs to be now. So I know the exercise wasn't pick a player, but to me, that's the example. You know, if it's not Bosa and it's not Warner, just when you kind of look around this defense, it's like, well, if you're going to ask Jimmy Ward to be a guy who's going to pull down a bunch of interceptions, you're probably going to be really disappointed. That's not Josh Norman. Like you're just hoping that he can not be a liability. Emmanuel Mosley is, you know, having a nice year, but he's not a guy that you're going to be like, Hey, E-Man, can you go to six interceptions? Like, that's just not, that's not how this defense is built. They need plays from their defensive line. And Armstead's a guy I circle when I think about that. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I also look at Javon Kinlaw mm. who has five pressures this year. He was PFF credited him with the sack against the Seahawks. It was that one that, that I yeah, think him he, and D Ford got that. Yeah. He should have, he should have split. I think the official scorekeeper did not give it to Kinlaw, but yeah, I mean, Kinlaw frankly just has been pretty average. And that might be putting it kindly in terms of just the way he's playing, or or at least I'm just maybe I'm overweighing Pro Football Focus's grading here, but the grades are not. Huh. Great. The grades are orange, and you want them to be green. 
<laughs> well, and and here's so here's the thing with Kinlaw specifically. Yeah. There were, you know, it was can he be 75% of DeForest Buckner? Oh, Roscoe does not like that tape. Okay, I'm sorry, Roscoe. Okay, 60%? 50? <laughs> no, so the, the, it was, you know, he's going to be a cheaper option than DeForest Buckner. Can he be 75% of the player? And DeForest Buckner had three plays a game where it was like, holy crap. What That was an incredible play. All right, four plays a game, Roscoe. God. So I'm going to go handle this. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to keep talking. So DeForest Buckner would have three, four plays a game where he would flash and it would be very clear. Like, Oh, number 99 is the best player on the field. Javon Kinlaw was probably never going to be that. And having, having DeForest Buckner is the expectation for Kinlaw. It was, was probably pie in the sky. But he has just, I don't think I can count on, I think I can count on one hand the the number of times where it's been like, oh, wow, Javon Kinlock, wow, that was an amazing play. Like he's just, it, it appears he's on a trajectory to, to, to be just a guy. And with the number 13 pick, who's replacing an all pro, you can't have just a guy. Like if Javon Kinlaw's out and Zach Kerr is in, and there's no discernible difference, that's a issue. Yeah. And like draft, I know, you know, draft hindsight is, is easy to do and all of that. And I've sort of been simmering on this take for a while, but like, Oh, let it rip. Um, well, first of all, this isn't necessarily my take, but it's one that's, that's been put out in the, in the mm. ether by, by 95 sevens, Monte Hill, who's been on the pot, I believe. Um, uh, no, Joe Shasky has. We should get Bonte. Anyways, Bonte's come on. All right, my mistake. Shout out to Bonte, friend of the pod. Um, CD Lamb picked at seventeen. Ugh. Good it, player. It doesn't look great. I mean, Ken Law was fourteen. CD Lamb seventeen. Particularly with Brandon Ayuk's issues, like CD Lamb would be just ridiculous on this offensive side. lineman in there. Um, yeah. So my take that I've been simmering on for a few weeks now. Like, man, Tristan Wirfs, I know he would probably be playing guard and you could debate, well, what, would he pl- be playing guard or would he be playing tackle? Either way, like Tristan Wirfs would be a better player right now for the 49ers than Javon Kinlaw. Yeah. And it wouldn't be much of a debate, right? Like Tristan no. Wirfs is somebody who was an all pro right tackle for Tampa Bay as a rookie. And like yeah. you could play him at right guard and he would obviously be a much better option than Daniel Brunskill. Or if you're so disenchanted with Mike McGlinchey, you could play Tristan Wirfs at right tackle and he would be an upgrade there. Right. So just like the 49ers were so set on finding a replacement for DeForest Buckner that they probably overvalued the position rather than like looking at the best players in the draft class. And like, I know that seems to be a theme. Yeah, it might be. And maybe Brandon, I like I've said, you know, I said it in August. I thought Brandon, I was going to be a star. That was because he got off to a really good start in training camp. And that was based on his rookie season and all of that stuff. So there's still that chance like that scenario still exists. Sure. But like. As time goes on, it's hard to look at the Javon Kinlaw pick. And I know getting Ayuk was possible because you had the 13 pick and you trade back yeah. and you use the fourth round pick yeah, you got in that trade back to move up for, for Ayuk and all of that. But still, like, you could find flaws in the process, particularly knowing you needed a receiver who would have been more impactful than, than Kinlaw. Like, CeeDee Lamb is, is CeeDee Lamb one of the best? five receivers in the league right now he might be i would i would have to really like dig into it but if you're doing a short list of of guys that you're going to whittle down to the top five like he's on that list or like guys that you would draft right now for the next five years yeah i think you posed i think it was you that i saw pose this question but it, if it wasn't then i'm going to take credit for it but oh, it's I like, would the Cowboys would the Cowboys trade CD Lamb for Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk? And no shot. 
no chance. And I did pose that question. I posed it knowing the answer. It was making a point. I don't know if they would do that if, right. And I don't know if they would do that if the Niners attached like a second round pick to it. Right. Like it would. (laughs) So I don't want to get into the whole 49ers draft discussion, but hasn't hasn't been great. As of right. No. And, and that's not like breaking news and, and we can get into it that, you know, at a, at a different date once this whole year plays out and stuff. But I think at some point we're going to have to look at the 49ers and just wonder why they're not just drafting the best players and then figuring out how to utilize them. Because every other team seems to do that. And the 49ers don't seem to be able to do that. Well, so that actually plays into the next point. Oh, uh, which I think you did. Did you do that transition on purpose? Was no, intentional. On your yes. Part? Okay, because in the rundown of the next bullet point I have is develop trust in the young guys. Mm. Um, Trey Lance. Yeah, we don't need to talk about Trey Lance anymore. I think it's very clear where you and I both stand on that. Have you brought that up before? <laughs> is Aaron Banks so bad that you can't get him on the field? Like he can't play even a little. <laughs> is he? Is like because Daniel Brunskill is not not good enough to prevent not a hard guy to beat out on the field. Can Jalen like, Moore take some right uh, take some right guard snaps? I've been wondering that for a while. Like, can anybody? It's Aaron Banks has to be like actively bad at football. Like I have a, a, I can, I can envision a world. Like I think D'Amador Lenore is actually going to be a a fine player. I can envision a world where we come back next year and Ambry Thomas is like a different player. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, Ambry Thomas is good. He didn't play last year. He's trying to find, he's trying to knock off the rust and find his, his legs in the NFL. It's a tough transition. So I could see after, you know, a full year and then an off season, Ambry Thomas, I could see that world. I'm not giving up on Ambry Thomas, but if Aaron Banks, I'm not seeing a world where we come back next year and go, oh, wow, Aaron Banks. Wow, he's ready to go. Lock him in. Pro Bowl caliber right guard. Yeah, I don't see it. Daniel Brunskill got a 13.7 pass blocking grade out of 100 <laughs> in Arizona, which is crazy because in – 2019 as a pass blocker when he had to play tackle he had an 80.9 pass blocking grade yeah and this isn't even like if if you're one of those people that's like oh i don't do pff grades look watch like i there's multiple plays a game where daniel brunskill just gets beat bad yeah and that's 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 how offenses get thrown out of rhythm is when defensive linemen are making regular appointments in the backfield well and the 49ers knew this. That's why they invested a second round pick in Aaron Banks. So, that, I mean, that that's part of it. So, you like, I think they need to trust trust the young guys, right? Like, if your starters are going to be mediocre, like, just throw the young guys in there, right? And if you're so unsure, my th- my whole thing with this is if you're so unsure the young guys are not going to be able to produce, then what are you doing as a coaching staff that's not getting them ready? Exactly. That's the hundred percent the 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 issue. Like tra- you, you don't trust Trey Sermon fine, but like you drafted you traded up in the third round to get him. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing that's not getting him ready? Yeah. Right. So like Aaron Banks, I think, qualifies there. Trey Sermon qualifies there. Brandon Ayu qualifies there. Um Ambry Thomas, like I get it. He didn't play last year. You know, I, I, I think all, it, with the exception of the pass interference penalties, a cornerback play has actually been better than I would have expected. Same. Um, and we'll see if that holds up. They, they have played pretty well against some pretty good offenses, although the mm-hmm. Seahawks receivers were really banged up when the Niners played them. But the point stands, like, one of the key things in 2019 was getting – really good production from some young guys, including Debo Samuel, a, a skill guy in the second round. And, you know, Nick Bosa, obviously it's Nick Bosa, Dre Greenlaw, fifth rounder, got an opportunity, mm-hmm. made a bunch of big plays. Like Fred Warner got the green dot. As yeah. The as Mike a linebacker is a rookie. 
in 2018. That's a good point. Like we're not, we're not seeing that level of trust with the young guys this year. And you drafted them for a reason. They're clearly talented, like play them. I'm interested to see if this continues to be the case. Like if they dropped to two and six, I don't think they're going to, but let's go to that world. Like if they're oh, just, they're, he'll, if it's, he'll play them. He'll, he'll like play them. At some point you have to. Yeah. Because whatever's going on with the veterans isn't working. So, well, and it's if, also if, it's also like you need these guys to play. It's not like the alternatives are all pros. Exactly. Right. Right. Like you lose Elijah Mitchell and like you know Trey Sermon just needs to be a bigger part of the offense, like he was throughout training camp. Like it was weird how he went from splitting reps with the first team with Raheem Mostert to not playing at all. It's Right. And, and then, Aaron Banks just, I know he was hurt and that's probably a, a big part of it, but like, it's hard to have a, a second round pick sitting on the inactive list when he's healthy, when your first round pick or your starter isn't, isn't particularly good. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And like I said, this is a bigger conversation that I think is not going to stop anytime soon. No. Because now the Niners are going into a situation next year where their draft capital is going to be very limited. And they're going to need to hit on those picks. The, it, good, they, the good thing for them is that more than likely they're going to have a quarterback on a rookie contract. Right. Which will allow them to pay some guys. But, but at some point, you got to start hitting on draft picks. And, or else you turn into the Seahawks. And a lot of the guys they've paid have not necessarily worked out. Yeah. That's true, too. So. We shall see. Uh, I think, honestly, for for as bad as as negatively as we talk about this team, I guess they're right in it. They're fine. They're half a game out of the wild card. That's spot. and that's so. If they had lost three in a row, like take all their games and just flip them, so they went Packers and the games all play out the same. They went Packers, Seahawks, Cardinals, and then Lions and then Eagles we would be, I think, talking about them like, all right, they're starting to figure it out a little bit. You know, they're right there. But because they lost this three in a row going into the bye, it's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. But you're right. And I think that's an important takeaway here is like, they could pretty easily turn it around and win the next two and split with Arizona and the Rams and go into a stretch where they get like the Vikings and the Jags. Um the Falcons, the Bengals, the Titans, like all these winnable games down the stretch where like the path to 10 or 11 wins is still very much alive. Yeah. They got to, they're going to have to change some things. They can't continue playing the way they've been playing, but like the fixes are there. The solutions are there. After their buy last year, they came out and thumped the Rams on the road. I know it was a close game, but it felt like they controlled most of it. And some Mm -hmm. of that had to do with Jared Goff, but like, they were good coming out of the bye with Nick Mullins mm-hmm. in that game, right? In 2019, they were basically a buzzsaw all season. Yeah, they beat the Cleveland Browns 31 to three after their bye. Yeah. Um, I'm just going back through, see how they did Baker. their bye. <laughs> uh, they lost their game at Tampa after the 2018. Oh, that was the Reuben Foster. Mullins. That was the Reuben Foster yeah. weekend. I think that was uh, to be expected. Yeah. Um, 2017 coming out of the bye was the Seahawks. They lost, they lost the Seahawks? to the Seahawks, but that was when Jimmy Garoppolo got right. in and threw a touchdown pass in the last play of the game. Lewis Murphy. And then, the, yep. And then they won five straight. Um, So I, I'm expecting them to play well Sunday night. I think they're going to, it wouldn't surprise me if they won by like a lot. Cause I think internally they're feeling all the same frustrations that people mm-hmm. externally are. And I think they're going to take it out on the Colts and they should. Yeah. Um, it's a very winnable game. It's a home game. Jimmy Ward was asked today, like, do you remember the last time you guys won a game at Levi's stadium? And I was like racking my brain. I was like, I don't even know their, their last win at Levi's. The NFC championship. <laughs> no. They beat the Rams October 18th. Wow. A year to the to the day. Oh, wow. They I beat forgot. The Rams. I, I literally forgot last season happened. 
That was the that was the game where where Debo Samuel had like nine catches and all of them were at or behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and tons of yak. <laughs> so much yak. <laughs> Jason was, Brett had an interception in that game. George Kittle yeah, had a long down. touchdown. Yeah, like I think the that was right that as this the season became like they won at New England, which is probably the most memorable game of that of last season. And then it was uh-huh. like. Lost to the, the Seahawks, came lost out. to the Packers, lost to the Saints. Beat the Rams, lost to Buffalo. Well, they lost. They, they the not last only four lost... games, I have zero recollection of, to be honest. Like, details from those games, I just do not remember. They not only lost to the Seahawks, but that was the game. Kittle got hurt again. Garoppolo got hurt again. Right. Yeah. Tough. All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, yep. Nick Wagner, ESPN's Nick Wagner, is going to join the pod uh, that'll drop on Wednesday. We'll record that Tuesday evening, and then we will have a preview pod for you that will come out Friday as we get back into the regular recording schedule. So excited to have Nick on, excited to kind of get his thoughts. I think we'll ask him about the quarterback situation. I don't know if he thinks about it a lot, but we'll we'll loop him in on our on our super secret quarterback chat. Um, I think people will like it because Nick, Nick mostly disagrees with me on the Trey Lance stuff, I think. Yeah, I'll play moderator. I'm going to sit on the fence, both sides. Cool. All right. Subscribe, rate, review. If you haven't, uh, we'd really appreciate that. Tell your friends if they don't listen, that they should start listening and let them know how much uh, you enjoy the podcast. And if you see Candlestick Chronicles beer while you're out, buy some, take a picture, send it to us. We'll retweet it and tell you how awesome you are. So appreciate you guys so much. And we will see you next time. Yeah. Shout out to Curbridge too, because they sent me a, uh, sent me a case of some delectable beverages over the weekend. Must be nice. You definitely got a case too. Oh, I thought you got another. No. (laughs) Oh, okay. Boy. (laughs) Be real mad. Shout out Cooper. All right, shout out Cooper. All right, we'll see you guys. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.